Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Viper's Podcast, brought to you by XUW. I am here today with my grandfather, and he is going to be telling us some stories about what basic training was like, and how the ship life was like. Hope you enjoy, like it, and subscribe it, and see you next time on the next episode. Well, it all started... Uh... When I was 18, uh, my, my dad was in the Navy, my uncle was in the Navy, uh, his brother that is, and my other uncle was in the Army, so I had a little bit of military instruction, as you would call it, growing up. And uh, when you turned 18 in my era, you had to sign up for the draft. It was something you had to do <clears throat> as a young man. Okay, and what, what are we talking about? Like, what era? Okay, this is, we're talking the 1960s. 19, uh, I was born in 1945. Uh, I went into the, I signed up for the draft in uh, 1963. 63, yeah, 63, I signed up for the draft. I was 18. Uh didn't pay too much attention to it. Some of my friends were getting drafted. They were a little bit older than I were. And when you got drafted, you were put into the Army or the Navy or the Marines or wherever they could find a spot for you. No one ever got drafted into the Air Force that I'm aware of. And why is that? The Air Force had a very strict rule. Number one, you had to be a high school graduate to get into the Air Force to begin with. And then... They had strict rules, uh, some of which I'm not familiar with, but I knew that they had them. But you, the one thing you must have had was a high school education and a little bit of common sense and knowledge because they trained you and did whatever had to be done for you in the Air Force. The Marines, uh, the Navy, and the Army, the Army being the biggest culprit, if that's the word I should use, was the one that drafted most of the young men. Getting drafted... <clears throat> the average age of a draftee was 19. Now, I was coming up on draft age. Uh, I was 18 and a half. I got a notice in the mail that I had to go to New Cumberland for my draft physical. I went over to the physic for the physical. It was an entire day. Uh, most of the morning and part of the afternoon was a hearing test, an aptitude test, a vision test, uh, physical abilities test, and then a true physical inspection of your entire body to see that you could be able, capable of being in the Army. Uh, about the only thing that would ever keep you out of it would have been something like flat feet. That was it. Everything else, you passed. If you couldn't see, they got you glasses. If you couldn't hear, they got you hearing aids. It was, you had to be able to handle it. Uh, I took the test, uh, passed it naturally, uh, came home, <clears throat> and I was working at a gas station, earning my own gas monies for my car and stuff. And one day the Navy recruiter came in and asked me about joining the Navy. And I said, what's involved? He said, you have to come down and fill out some paperwork. We'll get you set up. We'll put you in the Navy. I said, all right, let's give that a shot. So he set up an appointment for me. I went down that particular morning. We signed all the paperwork. I 
signed on the dotted line and said, yes, I am now in the U.S. Navy. Uh, we got all the paperwork straightened out. He said, okay, you're going to come back here on this particular date, and we're going to set you up to when you're going to go to boot camp, and you're going to go to the Great Lakes in Michigan. So okay, let's do that. <clears throat> so uh, I got I went home that day. The mail had come, and sure enough, my draft notice was in the mailbox. I had been drafted. However, I couldn't be drafted until I turned up at the draft board to sign. Now I'm already in the Navy. Well, I kind of panicked a little bit, and I called my recruiter, and he said, just bring the letter in when you come in for your appointment. We'll take care of everything. Now, back then, uh, I don't even remember if they had facsimile machines. Naturally, there was the computer was what are, what are those facsimile it's machines? Facsimile, when you, someone says they're going to send you a fax, it's something that looks like what the original was. It's called a facsimile. Uh, the fax machines, are, uh, before the computer had a fax machine built into it, there was an actual machine that you put the paper in dialed a telephone number, it copied it, and sent it on its way. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I called him up. He said, yes, come in when you come in for your, your other stuff. So I took the paperwork into him. He said, this is nothing to worry about. We will mail it out because telephone calls didn't work back then. There was no such thing as email. Uh, the computer was in a very baby stage to begin with. Even though they were out there, they were they were the size of a tractor trailer. They were huge, and they were mostly run on tapes, uh, uh, paper tapes. You would feed to them, and it would. Uh, there used to be people called data processors, and they would type in the formula into this paper, and it would punch holes into the in proper way, so that when the computer read it, it read what you typed into it. It was really, really antiquated to the point if you today where your computers today you turn them on and everything is ready to go yeah back okay. then it was not <clears throat> anyway uh i left for the great lakes training center uh we went up there there was four of us from harrisburg went up there did you have any friends that you went with i went i had several friends that i went with none of which i stayed with uh, there was one guy, Peter, and I forget his last name. It's been so long ago, and it was the only time I knew him. <clears throat> we went up. We went through the Great Lakes Training Center. Uh, Reveille was at 4.30 in the morning. You got up. You did calisthenics. You went to breakfast. You came back from breakfast. You had work details, cleaning the yard or whatever. Uh, lunchtime came, you went to lunch, uh, maybe in the afternoon you had rifle training or you had gas chamber training or you had numerous different trainings that you had to fulfill. And then there was uh, shipboard training, learning the proper uh, nomenclature for the different variations of the ship. Uh, what we call the floor, they call deck. What we call the ceiling, they call the overhead. What we call a wall, they called a bulkhead. What we called a door, they called a hatch. And what we call steps, they called a ladder. So there was, and then the front of the ship was called forward. The rear of the ship was called aft. 
port was your left side, starboard was your right side, so that when you were speaking of the ship and there was a lot of noise going on, there wasn't any real way to misjudge what was said to you or where you were supposed to be. Uh, like I say, the, the front of the ship was called forward. Uh, the very, very front where everything was kept, like the anchor chains and stuff like that, that was called the forecastle. Again, a terminology that when it was spoken on the ship, you knew exactly where you had to be. Uh, each one of the uh, ribs in the ship had a number on it. Telling, what are the what were the ribs were? The ribs were the part of the ship that uh, it separated. It was in compartments. Okay. And that compartment would be like a room, and but it went lengthwise across the ship. <clears throat> so it was like it's like those kind of like those U's that went under the ship. Exactly, kind of? but they were inside the ship, and okay. then that was where there was a designated wall to separate each compartment. Uh, maybe in this compartment maybe the size of two bedrooms. There might have been uh, John Doe's birthing area. There might have been a bathroom, which in the Navy is called a head, uh, a shower assembly, uh, a kitchenette, uh, a dining area. Uh, each one was sectioned and each one had a hatch because in the event of something being going wrong, uh, an explosion, a, a torpedo a, a, during the war, uh, you could close up all these compartments and just that one would fill. And you, there was compartments going around each one so that you could block everything off and still maintain that ship floating and get it home. Okay. Uh, and this all went on in the Great Lakes. Uh, and it was winter time. It was January and February. It's a, a good six weeks training course. Uh, they would wake us up. Uh, our, like I say, our time frame was 4.30 in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. After dinner was usually, dinner was usually 6 o'clock. From 6 o'clock till 9 o'clock was kind of your recreation time. Go get a shower, get cleaned up, get your stuff ready for the morning because every morning you had an inspection and you would be checked to see uh, if your clothes were dirty from sleeping, which sometimes during the night you would sweat and you were told to take your t-shirt and turn it inside out with your thumb and they would look at the ring and if the ring was dirty, you were dirty and you had to take a shower. So we learned this secret early on in the game and when we went to bed, we'd put our t-shirts on inside out. And in the morning when we got up, we would put our t-shirts on the right way and when we held inspection, it was clean. Okay. So you couldn't take a shower unless... No, you could take a shower, but you couldn't just walk in and take a shower any time during the day. You had duties all day. And then at the end of the day is when you took your shower. Okay. And more often than not, you made your bed. You got up... <clears throat> the one thing about making, you know... The one thing they say about it, the first thing they teach is how to make your bed. Well, you're not there to make a bed. You're there to be a warrior. You want to fight. You want to be on the seat. No. You make your bed. And they would come in and they would inspect your bed. 
But you have to remember, your bed had to be perfect. The blanket had to be perfect at the bottom. The pillow had to be perfect at the top. The sheets had to be just right taut tight on the bed. And the thing about it is, no matter how rotten your day was, when you came back in and you came to that bed, you came home to a perfectly made bed, a bed that you made, and it made the day seem a whole lot better. What else can we talk about here? Uh, you, we finished up. Uh, I mean, you had to learn to swim. Uh, <clears throat> if you couldn't swim, you were what was called an NQS or a non-qualified swimmer. Well, a non-qualified swimmer in the Navy pretty much isn't going to make it. Okay. Because your whole life is on the water for all practical purposes. Yeah, because you're a Navy SEAL. You're in the Navy. <clears throat> you're in the Navy. Yeah. <clears throat> you get out of boot camp and then you pick a school and you go to school and you go to what's called an A school. And this A school runs for about eight weeks. Now, it's a whole different ball game there. It's just like getting up in the morning, going to school and coming home. And you do it eight hours a day for eight weeks. And they, they teach you everything you need to know about what you're going to do in your field. And then uh, uh, they, they teach you electronics. They teach you uh, generators, uh, electric, electronics. Uh, good grief. Uh, they teach you diesel engines. Uh, so they basically teach you a lot of things. That they you teach you know. a lot of things, but you have to choose the school that you want to go to. And even if it's school, you don't know anything about um, in particular, let's say you don't know anything about a diesel engine at all. When you come out of that class, you can tear one down and put it back together and know exactly what every spec is putting it back together. So they make you prepared. They prepare you for that particular portion of your uh, life in the Navy. Um, there are several schools you can go to that teach you different programs. Uh, I'll get on to that a little later. I went to one of those classes. Uh, I have a question about the shooting, the shooting part, uh, targets kind of, you yes. shot targets, right? Yes. I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> what kind of guns were you using and, uh, was there like a specific amount of time that you had to shoot your gun? Yes. There, not so much in boot camp. In, in advanced training there was, but, uh, in boot camp they had the old, now this is back when I went there, they had the old M16, uh, M1 Garands, okay. which was a 30-06, very heavy gun, uh, used what was called an eight-shot clip. Now, in people who know firearms, clip is not the word you use for a magazine. Now, there is a big difference between a clip and a magazine. Can you tell us what the difference is? The clip, okay. Yes, there's, there's things called a clip. There's a stripper clip, which is used to strip the ammunition down into the magazine of the gun or down into the magazine metal magazine that inserts into the firearm. There is a what's called a full moon clip, which holds ammunition for a revolver. And you just drop the whole thing into the gun. When you're done shooting, you eject the whole thing back out of the gun. It's called a moon clip. Uh, the difference between a magazine... Now, a magazine is inserted into the firearm with ammunition in it, 
and shoots. The major difference between a clip and a magazine is a magazine has spring assist. A clip is just something that holds it. Okay. And you, it doesn't do anything. It just holds it. Just holds it in place right there. It holds it in place. Where the magazine allows it to be taken off and shot. When you put an M1 clip into an M1 magazine, which is built into the firearm, it clips down inside. As it shoots, the spring inside that, it'll, it'll actually follow inside the clip, puts the ammunition into the firearm. Okay. Sounds cool. How heavy do you think the guns were? The, the M1 ran approximately 9 to 11 pounds, depending. Oh, wow. So that's probably it, a hard time There were so many manufacturers. Uh, uh, good grief. There was Winchester. Uh, there was Remington. There was International Harvester. Uh, uh, there were so many different manufacturers, and all the parts had to interchange with each firearm. They had to have certain specs, but when the guns were put together, they were rattly. You could shake them, and there was tolerances that weren't tight, and it was designed that way. Even though the gun was extremely accurate, it had to take a part from a Winchester and put on an International Harvester and had to fit a Remington stock or a Rock Island stock. Okay. Uh, any other questions you might have about boot camp and school? What kind of schools were there? I mean, I know you <coughs> kind of went over some some, but do you know like the full extent of okay. them? Okay, when, when I went to uh, advanced training, uh, I had to learn ship propulsion system, I had to learn the steering mechanism. I had to learn the engine itself, uh, the, the boat that I was on. And it was a boat. It wasn't any, it was not a ship. It was a boat. It was 13 feet wide and 33 feet long. Uh, it had two 6V53 Detroit diesel engines on it. And they ran through what was called a jacuzzi jet pump. Because in the waters of Vietnam, in the rivers, you couldn't have propellers because the propellers would get jammed up with all the foliage that was in the water. So they had it going through a jet pump. And jokingly, when we got out of the service and we talked about it later on, we realized that we were on the original jet ski because these things would run about 36 miles an hour in the water. Huh. That sounds like a lot of fun. It, uh, it wasn't fun then. Today, I can look back and reflect and joke about it. Yes, it was fun. And again, we had to learn the propulsion system. The propulsion system was this water being shot out the back to make the boat go forward. Well, a boat going forward is wonderful, but once the boat gets to where it's going, it has to get back out of there. Yeah. So what they did, they devised what's called a clam. And it's used today on airplanes. It's a device that comes back into a V over the hole where the water comes out and forces the water forward to make the boat go backwards. When a jet engine lands, uh, when it hits the ground, the pilot pulls back on a lever and it cams back against the jet, shooting out the back and forces the jet uh, gases forward 
slowing the airplane down. Okay, that's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool mechanism. I mean, was there any downsides to it? Downsides? Oh my word, yes. How many downsides were there? Well, uh, being where I was at with the gunfire and everything, I have a hearing loss. Uh, my uh, my hearing is the, the worst of it all. I mean, that, that's the worst I think that I've lost. Uh, my boat gets hit, boat gets sunk. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, you could be stranded out in the middle of the ocean for days and not know what to do. Uh, Have you ever gotten stranded out in the middle of the ocean? I did not. Well, I guess I did once, but it was not because the ship sank. It was because coming in to port, the captain was coming in too fast. It was a very large ship. It was an aircraft carrier. He was coming in too fast, and he reversed all engines. And when he did, it was too much for the engines to take, and they shut down. And then it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to bring these uh, boilers back up online so that they can actually function to move the ship again. Oh, wow. So it was about two miles out. You could see the shore. You could see the dock. You could see the people standing on the dock, and you couldn't get there. Yeah. Okay, so have you ever had any training for, like, specific, like, if you got stranded or if, you know, like, you got caught in the middle of something? When you say got caught in the middle of something. Like, like caught in gunfire, your ship sinks. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, they train you to keep your head down. Try to see where the gunfire is at. Fire back. Uh, so many different things. Have any lifeboats like today or like were they the like wooden boats, boats? The lifeboats back then were uh, only on the, they were like wooden boats. They really, on the bigger ships, they were wooden boats. Okay. On the smaller ships, they were actually the uh, inflatable pontoon type uh, rubberized boats. Okay. And they had, uh, I want to say it's mercury motors on them. I don't remember anymore because I never... Had to, had to use one, but I think they had Mercury outboard motors on them. Okay. Uh, what was the ship like? The ship? Like, what was the ship life like? Ship life like? Well, <laughs> you got up in the morning at Reveille. What's Reveille? Like, Reveille sun, is like a, sunrise? No, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they, they're on a very strict schedule. 6 o'clock in the morning is Reveille. Uh, you get up, you have from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock to get your breakfast, and then get to your workspace, and then whatever you have to do. Now, the, the worst watch in the world is the 4 to 8 watch. I'm sorry. Yeah, the 4 to 8 watch. Why is that? Uh, because you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and do 4 to 8 for your watch. Okay. Then you get a half an hour to get lunch or breakfast. And then you have to be in your workspace from 8 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you go back on 4 to 8 watch again. Oh, so it's... <laughs> that sounds pretty miserable. <laughs> it's a 12-hour day. Yeah. Without without even being... Any, doing anything. It's a 12-hour day. Uh, 12 to 4 watch. They wake you up at midnight. 
4 o'clock in the morning to go back to bed. They do let you sleep in till 8 o'clock. Then you go down and you do 8, 12, and you do the 12 to 4 watch in the afternoon. And then at 4 o'clock you're done. And you can go, sometimes they have movies, sometimes they have all types of what they call, the, they have a regular cafeteria that feeds everybody. Then they have a, a, a specialized area that is just cold cuts. You can go and get, grab a sandwich, or a Coke, or something like that. And then uh, they have what they call mid-rats or midnight rations for people who work the 12 to 4 shift. Okay. So you get up at 10.30 and you go grab something to eat and then you go on your watch. So uh, have you ever fallen out of your bed while on the ship before? No, I have never done that. You've never fallen out of your bed? Have they have any uh, safe They uh, do have restraints some of them, but uh, the very, very early boats, and when I say early, we're talking... Uh, like the, the the old destroyers and stuff, they actually had hammocks. Hammocks. And when the boat would sway, the hammock would just rock with the boat. Yeah. And you couldn't fall out of the hammock. Oh yeah, because it would just swing with the it boat. It would swing with the boat. Yeah. And it was like, was it nailed to the to the sides no, of the boat? It wasn't nailed. It was hung from the ceiling. Oh okay. So was it like the hammocks were like nets or like they were, what kind of material were they made out of? I want to I want to call it canvas, but I can't guarantee that's what it was, because you had a small blanket that you put in there that it was uh, like a comforter that you laid in there, and that's what you laid on, and then you had a blanket you pulled up over yourself. But that was on the real real uh, dinky ones. On the bigger ships, they had what they call racks, and they would be three high, uh, if you were had the top one you were right against the ceiling right against the overhead so, so if someone woke up you would hit yeah, their head and and if you were on the bottom one you were right you were this far off the floor you were four inches off the floor okay and on the last ship that i was on that's where i was i was on the last on the floor of the and my locker was beside me I had a locker that I would lift up and all my stuff was in here. And the guy on the other side, his bed was the same way, except his locker was where my flat one, flat part was. And we lived in what they called cubicles. And it was a, a cube. Uh, there was three and then three. And then on the other side, there was three and three. <coughs> okay. So it, it was very tight living. I mean, you didn't have a closet. You didn't have a dresser. You didn't have. You didn't any. have a private area or anything. You had no private area whatsoever. Okay. So back then, I'm guessing, not to be like sexist or anything, but like, did they have women back then? They had what they called waves. They were women sailors. Uh, the majority of them were nurses. Some of them were yeomen, or a person that worked in the office. Uh, doctors but i i don't ever remember any of them being on our ship no, any of my ships no none of your ships like none of the ship. now they are today but back then they were not okay interesting um what was it like have you ever shot like a cannon off the ship we 
we fired what was called a five-inch gun off the destroyer. Uh, that's where I met Mr. Schweinhardt. Uh, I don't know if you remember him or not. No, I don't. Out of the club. Uh, him and I were on the same ship together. We never knew it. Uh, it, uh, I, I, my, my duties, my uh, general quarter station, or was one attack station, were being attacked, we called general quarters, uh, was in the forward gun. Okay. Uh, my job was to take the five-inch shell that came out and glide it down a ramp and out into the ocean. What I didn't know was Mr. Swinehart was the guy handing me the shell. <laughs> you, you guys had no idea. That we had no doing... idea because wow. I worked in a whole different section of the ship, but both our general quarter station was that gun, and we didn't talk. You just did your job. Yeah. And was then, there like loud noises? Oh, yeah, it was very, very loud. Uh, the the operation of the mechanics of the firearm moving back and forth, the actual discharge of the firearm, very, very loud. <clears throat> is that why part of your hearing is losing? That's too? got a lot to do with it. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, the story goes on that uh, Mr. Swinehart met me out at the club one day and I had the USS Hank hat on and we got talking and he asked me what I did. I said, I dropped the shell into the ocean. He said, I'm the guy handing it to you. And him and I worked together for 30 years at Roadway and we never talked about it. Never. Never. That's interesting. Huh. Hey, we were friends. You guys never saw any? You guys never saw each other on the ship? We, we probably did, but we never, if we saw each other, it was in the mess hall, and he was on one side and I was on the other, and we never really spoke, never really talked about it. It was one of the weirdest encounters, and people at the club were very, very astounded that we had worked together for 30 years, side by side, talking, never once mentioning the Navy. That is pretty interesting. And him and his wife and... Your grandmother and I, we would go out to dinner. And never once was the Navy brought up. The only time it got brought up was when I walked in there wearing that hat. Huh. Well, folks, that is all for today. Like, subscribe. Hope you enjoy it.